Spend time with those you love. One of these days, you will say either, I wish I had, or I'm glad I did. Zig Ziglar. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Good morning, Faithful Fathers, and welcome to another episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am pumped this morning to be joined by my co-host, Perry Hughes, and it is just the two of us. It has been a long time, I feel like, since just you and I have done an episode. And actually, now that I say that, that's not entirely true, because it was just the two of us when you did your recap of sort of your mid-adventure update. So uh, welcome back. Perry is back. He's back from his trip, sort of settled back into the, the routine of life. But Perry, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, brother. There's a little crisp in the air. It's not quite as chilly this morning as it was yesterday, but man, I'm doing great sitting out here on the back deck, just enjoying God's creation. And I am really fired up too to hang out with you and have a discussion uh, today on a topic that, man, it's exciting to think about diving into uh, priorities and uh, it's going to be awesome. But uh, first, I'm excited to talk about some quick wins. So I know that y'all just had a Nothing big and crazy or, you know, whatever, but it is a big deal to do a, a camping trip with the kids. And you all did some uh, car camping recently, tent camping. And if I understand correctly, one of the kids first time in a tent. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And actually, I would say that would be my fatherhood win. It's a fun story from that trip. So for context, it was, you know, our kids fall break and we didn't go anywhere extravagant. Melanie is still, you know, nursing a, a fairly newborn, a nine-month-old and eight, eight and a half month old. And so we didn't want to go way out into the wilderness and she wanted to be able to get back and we have chickens to take care of and all that type of stuff. So we just went local, got a local campground right on a little creek, uh, which was a beautiful setting. And the kids could play in the water. It was a little bit of a polar plunge. Not quite what you did out <laughs> west. The water wasn't that cold, but uh one morning I went down into the creek with the boys and um, nice. they're like, let's go swim. And I'm like, it is cold. It is freezing. I do not want to go swimming. I'll go up to my knees. And the next thing I know, I was like, I kind of got to pave the way. Ben was, you know, yeah. Ben was all eager to go in the water and he was really timid to do it. And so I was like, okay, yeah. I guess I have to, I've got to lead the way. And so I that's right. stripped down and, you know, went under and it was cold. And then I, then, then it became a competition, of course, <laughs> who can stay under the longest, who can stay in the water the longest. And yeah, so anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun, but um, anyway, so we had a good time. Yeah. And it was his first time in a tent. So here's kind of the win. It was, it was really cool to see the whole experience through his eyes, first time sleeping in a tent, all that type of stuff. So the first night, uh, you remember, especially, I mean, as a dad with youngish kids who are still not totally self-sufficient with this stuff, there's just constant demands. Help me with the hot oh, yeah. dogs. Help me with the s'mores. Make oh, my yeah. s'more. You're cleaning dishes. You're cooking. Help me with my sleeping bag. My I can't figure out my sleeping bag. Where are my clothes? Like all this stuff. And you're just going crazy, right? And so like in the fire, so we're just doing all the stuff, fire, all that stuff. And finally the sun's down and it's time for bed and everybody's tired and so they all kind of go into the tent. It's like nine, I don't know, a little after nine. So, right, you go to bed earlier when you're camping. Yeah, I love that. Too. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But I was like, I need some alone time. I was like, you, you're all in your sleeping bags. I unzip the thing. They're like, where are you going, Dad? I said, I need some alone time. I just literally said, I need some alone time. Sure. So my plan was just to go sit by the fire for like an hour yeah. and just pray yeah, and just think chill. and spend some time. Chill. So I hadn't been out by the fire by myself for more than a minute. And I hear the zip, right? <laughs> and I kind of expected it to be one of the older boys. It was four-year-old Declan. He sticks yeah. his head out. And he comes yeah. out. And he sits down next to me. 
We spent the next hour together, just the two of us, the older boys staying in the tent. Yeah. Just talking and telling stories and and looking at the fire and all this type of stuff. And at one point he just looks over to me and he goes, This is the best day ever. He goes, he goes, I love camping. Camping is my favorite thing ever. And I like doing it with you, Daddy. You know. Oh so, man, that's awesome. It just melted my heart. And you know, he stayed up till 10, which is later than he's like ever stayed up. You know, oh, yeah. Just, so <laughs> anyway, and you could sleep in the next morning, although sure. Sleeping in in a tent also doesn't always happen all that well. But anyway, so that was sure. uh, that was a win. It was a fun time. It was a good a good couple of days out there enjoying nature with my boys. Oh man, that's incredible! I love it. That really fires me up. Yeah. So how about you? Um, some wins over the past couple of weeks. How has the transition back from adventure and routine and homeschooling and everything been? And what sort of wins have you had from the past couple of weeks? Sure, transition's been great. You know, we come home and <clears throat> I mean we don't live in an incredibly huge house, you know, it's a three bedroom, you know, basement and a main level and a little, you know, like a loft upstairs. It's not a small house, but it's nothing like crazy, you know, just average, whatever. Bro, we come home from living six deep in a camper, you know, for two months and our house feels like a stinking mansion. I mean, it feels like a path. It feels like a palace, you know, it's just like, there is so much room in this house. It is crazy. That's so awesome. that's kind of been funny. But I think now after being in it for a while, it kind of feels normal again. But at first it just, it felt, it felt ridiculous that we live in a house that is three bedrooms. I mean, you know, like we're a family of six, like two of the kids share bedrooms, you know, it's not, but it just felt. Uh, so large, but that's kind of funny, but yeah, school's going good. Um, we're mixing a few things up for school this year, which is, um, going well. Um, Nancy had the kids say they want to focus on one thing they haven't ever, you know, haven't ever, or haven't recently been focused in on. And that's been fun. Kind of, they get to pick their own little projects, which is cool. Um, but one of my really fun, big fatherhood wins, I've got a couple of them. One is that we, Got a membership at a local gym, and I'm taking my two oldest boys and one of their best friends to work out on a regular basis and just kind of showing them like, hey, here's how you work out in a gym. This is etiquette. This is form. This is what you want to focus on. You can't go in there and do bench press every single day, nice. you know, and so that's been really fun and a big win. Uh, we're a couple weeks into that. And then uh, another big win is that uh, I have been being very intentional uh, about bills. Uh, and if you haven't listened to this episode, go back a few episodes and listen to the episode with Bill McCarthy. It's gold. It's so good, but I've been real intentional about taking the time to do the trust exercise with the kids when I get one-on-one -on -one with them. And over the last couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to do that with each of the kids. And it's been fun because they've all told me something, you know, and, uh, that's been a really cool thing to just build trust. So, quick recap on that. You tell your kid, Hey, you get a free pass. If you tell me something stupid, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to go crazy, but you ask them to tell you something that either they're embarrassed about, or they keep secret, or, you know, they just, they, they don't want anybody to know about, or, you know, whatever. They've just never told anybody. And, um, they tell you the thing and you pray really hard not to yell at them. If it's something dumb, you know, you can come back later, a few days later, if it's something that needs to be addressed. You now you come back a few days later. Have you had but, to do that yet? Have they, has anybody told you a doozy? 
No, nobody's told me a doozy yet. Okay. So that's been cool. It's all been kind of like little minor stuff, you know. Um, but uh, one of Ruby told me a little, you know, it was like a little mischievous thing. And I was like, oh, me too. I used to do that all the time when I was your age. So we kind of had this little moment, you know, uh, laughing together and being like, yeah, that's that's normal. So, yes, yeah, good stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's that's all good stuff. And kudos to you for taking things that we, that's really the point of this podcast, right? I mean, it's we don't want this to be something that we just invite interesting guests and they say some things and we just listen to it and then nothing changes. The right. idea is to take take something from this episode, take something from that episode, see what works, see what resonates and try to put it into action in in our lives to be better fathers and so kudos to you for doing that. That's awesome. I I have not been as intentional with that aspect of of Bill's episode. So um, that, that convicts me to go ahead and, and work on that as well. But let's transition and talk about priorities. And I want to set the stage by recounting a fable, one of Aesop's fables, which is sort of what prompted uh, my my desire to have this conversation now, because it was, it was about a week or so ago, I was uh, I, reading one of Aesop's fables to Declan for his bedtime story. This this huge, thick book. It's like, I don't know, a couple hundred pages of these fables. Did you read fables, Aesop? I don't have a recollection of reading it at home, you know, or like my parents reading it to me or anything like that. But I definitely remember, uh, you know, Aesop's fables and reading through some of that stuff at school for sure. Yeah. And they're good. They're fun stories with these morals at the end, right? And that's the idea. And of course, some of the uh, the, the most famous one is is sour grapes, right? The the fox that can't get the grapes. And this is a story that I had never read before, and the moral really just hit me. I mean, in a sort of like a deep way. I'm like, that is, man, that's something we have to talk about in the context of of priorities. So let me, I'm not going to read the whole fable, but I'm just going to sort of summarize it and then I'll read the moral. It's called The Man and His Wives. So it starts off with this man who has two wives and it goes, it, it makes a point to say there was once a time where it was sort of customary to have more than one wife. Okay, yeah. fine. So we'll sort of, <laughs> we'll sort of look past that part of the fable. And both wives loved the man very much and they wanted to please him. But one was an older wife and one was a younger wife. Now, the younger wife noticed that the man was starting to get some gray hairs. And she didn't necessarily like that. She she wanted him to look younger. And so as a courtesy to him, at night when he would go to bed, she would pluck out his gray hairs. But the older wife, she was a little upset that some people mistook her for his mother because she was older, and she liked the fact that he had gray hair. So every night, she would pluck out his brown hairs. So you have this one <laughs> wife plucking out his gray hairs, this other wife plucking out his brown hairs, and the final <laughs> sentence of the, uh, of the fable is, of course, there was only one result. The man soon ended up entirely bald. Now. What does that have anything to do with anything? Well, here's the moral. The moral is, quote, give what you have to all and you will soon have nothing to give. Mm. And I think, for me at least, that really hits home because yeah. as fathers at this time in life, especially with kids and business and farm and all this type of stuff, it's easy to give so much of ourselves away to so many different people or interests yeah. or or whatever priorities, lots of different priorities. 
that all of a sudden we don't have anything left to give to mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Yeah. Your kids. That's right. Your wife, your God, like whatever it is. And so to me, it's a fable that speaks to this idea of priorities and how do we keep the main thing, the main thing? How do we make sure that we're not giving too much of ourselves away to things or people that just don't, that don't warrant it and that it's stealing our time, effort, energy, love from the most important things. So with that as context, let me just let me just ask you sort of out at the gate, what what's stealing you? What's making you bald, Perry? What what in your life is uh is competing for your priorities and potentially robbing you of of some of your energy and focus sure. and things that you should be giving to the main things? Sure. <clears throat> That's a great question. And it's very pointed and I love it. And I didn't expect to hear that question today, but immediately I have an answer. You know, the Lord puts it on my heart right away. And it's just the screen for me personally. You know, maybe there's a lot of people out there that don't battle with that. But at this stage in my life right now, uh, you know, just the just the constant vie for attention that screens and electronics and all that has uh, on my life. I think that takes away my attention oftentimes from either uh, potential productivity, building out, you know, new business ventures, et cetera, or uh, also uh, it takes away an opportunity that I might have to spend quality time with my kids or my wife. So that's, that one's the, the one that I've been slowly, slippery, slopingly allowing to win too much okay so cool. yeah. We'll, yeah yeah we'll we'll come back to that for sure let's file that away and and i don't i don't have a set plan necessarily for where this conversation is going to go but i definitely do want to at some point talk about how to get our priorities back in balance so what yeah what are you going to do about that what what do we do about it when we recognize that maybe there is something that should be a little bit lower on the priority pecking order that we fully acknowledge is taking up too much of our time effort energy money yeah what do we do? like what's the solution what do we do about that you know for me i i've got a laundry list it's you know i i just in fact i just literally put the last screw into the deck that i have been building all summer by the way building a deck is not a one-man job (laughs) so let's let's put it this way it shouldn't be a one-man job and so it has robbed way too much of my time effort money energy this summer but it is done and it looks beautiful and i'm excited to have it um you know part of it is to feed our other priorities, we we want to prioritize socialization, making friends, building community with our church, yeah. and we want to be able to host and entertain. And that was really sort of the impetus for building a new deck on the back of our house. But it has been a major time commitment this summer. Anyway, so building a deck, we, we've decided to homeschool our kids, which I mentioned. You know, I constantly have stuff to do on the farm. I have an eight-month-old baby. I'm driving kids to basketball practices. I've got my business that I'm running. You know, we're working, we're doing faithful fatherhood and podcasting. And I mean, I just have this unbelievable laundry list of things that I'm doing. But are they all priorities? And should I be doing them all? And should they all take as much time as I'm giving them at the expense of, again, what? Like, what should be my focus? Where should my priorities be? So I personally have a lot of things in my life 
pulling my hair out, so to speak, making making me bald, or at least maybe making me go gray. Um, yeah, but yeah. but let's talk about though how what should our priorities be? What what are some of your priorities? Have you given it intentional thought? And I guess more generally, how can we how can we set priorities in our lives? Yeah, yeah, that's a great thing to dive into. But first. Okay, I got to go I got to I got to close the loop on on our two things that are pulling us away cuz I okay. don't want to get away from it. So for me it's easy. Uh take if if it's Facebook on my phone, I just take that off my phone. Yeah. It's a slippery slope like, "Oh, I need to sell our camper after coming back from our trip." So I'll get on Facebook and post it and list it and all that. Well, then it just sucks you in. It's like this tractor beam, you know, this black hole that sucks me in. Um and then in terms of your deck project, I know a lot of times, you know, if you have the capacity yourself and you have the know-how and the wisdom to build a deck, you don't want to hire somebody else to build a deck, right? Because it's going to cost you a lot of money. Shout out to my buddy, Josh. Uh, Josh, if you're listening, what up? Um, but he, one thing he's really good at is hiring a helper or two. And he'll just roll up to Lowe's and be like, hey, who wants to make 50 bucks today? You know, and there's guys in the parking lot a lot of times and they'll be like, oh, yeah, man, me cool let's go we're gonna we're gonna pour a concrete pad he's got the knowledge the wisdom the understanding how to do this concrete pad he just needs some workers some laborers and uh that's one thing that i love uh, about him that i've learned from him is that you can just leverage like hourly laborers you know if it costs you 100 bucks a day or 50 bucks a day or 75 bucks a day or even 150 bucks a day and you get it done in you know three weekends versus it takes the whole entire summer. That isn't a way to offset that without having to pay a contractor, you know, $10,000 to come put a deck on the back of the house. So yeah, it's a great, <laughs> I wish, I wish we had had this conversation back in June. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Although it's like, so maybe this is part of the conversation too, because sometimes you have good intentions. Sure. Part of what I envisioned was I'm going to, I'm going to get my sons involved and I'm going to teach them yes. some carpentry skills. Right. I had Jackson out there learning how to literally do something as simple as use a, yes. a drill and screw screws into deck boards. And, and there ended up being a whole lot less of them helping and a whole lot me and more me doing it by myself, you know? So it's like, I, I wouldn't say it was a complete miss. They, they enjoyed being part of it. They enjoyed seeing me do it. They take a lot of pride in the deck, but I think they would take equal pride, even if I had had a, a day laborer helper as well. And I could still have gotten them involved. And so, so part of it's part of us, maybe not holding too tightly to some of your, your preconceived ideas of what something might be and being, being able and willing to course correct midship. Like this is just taking too long. It's time to get this thing done. You know, my, yeah. my son learned how to use a circular saw. Now it's time to just get the deck done. You yeah. Know, that type of sure. Thing. Sure. But anyway, yeah. so back to back to your priorities. Like, what would you? I mean, if you literally could you list your top five priorities in your life right now? Yeah, I have seven. Uh, so my number one, and these are in these are in ideal order. Now, do I actually live out this order every day? Ah, it's debatable. Um, so number one is following Jesus. Number two is my own health and wellness. Number three is my marriage. Number four is fatherhood. Number five is brotherhood, like my my close you know band of brothers friends. Yeah. Uh, number six is ministry, 
and that would be to the masses. And then number seven, this is going to probably be crazy to think about for some folks, but number seven is provision. Hmm. So when I say fatherhood, I'm not talking about necessarily financially providing for my family. I'm talking about, you know, fatherhood connection with my kids, love and acceptance and, you know, teaching and training, you know, all those kind of things. And then kind of provision is its own priority. But I think, um, I think as men, it's really easy to just get focused in on provision. You know, I know a lot, uh, oh, I got to be the provider, provider, provider. I got to go to work today. I got to go, I got to go work 60 hours this week, you know, to make sure X, Y, and Z happen. And all that stuff is true and valid. Like we got to provide for our families. But I think for me, provision is just like automatic. I'm I'm so wired that as a husband and as a father, I need to provide for my family. You know, it's kind of like one of those ones that's just a given, if that makes sense. It it does, but it's interesting that it's number seven on a list of seven. Where would it have been 10 years ago? And how might your list have looked differently 10 years ago? Sure. Yeah, it, it would have looked different, I think. And and provision would have been higher up on the list. And I think maybe that maybe I'm at a point in my life now where because I've been grinding so hard for 20 years and because I've built a business and worked myself out of a job, the provision is almost on a loop that is self-sustaining, if that makes sense. It is. I, I think the the balance for a lot of men and the challenge, and 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 I just want to make sure that we're sort of clear at the outset or that I'm sort of clear is that ultimately you men listening need, need to determine your own priorities and yeah, you know, it, you need to come to some of these decisions on your own as, as to what is most important. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well uh, here in a moment. But I think, I think the issue for a lot of men is when have you provided enough? Because mm-hmm. at some point, pr- provision matters. It's a it's a role of a father to be sure, and it's okay to be ambitious. I talked about this in that episode with Dr. Hershcheck about uh, work life balance. You know, you you can have both. You can have ambition. You can provide well, real well for your family, and still spend time with your family. The the and prioritize your kids. And and you listed fatherhood above provision and and the question is what if you're still early in your career sure do you still put fatherhood above provision and if so does that require us to be willing to make a little bit less money than we otherwise might is it okay to not make partner at the law firm if it means you can be home for your kids bedtime is right. it okay to not be lead surgeon at the hospital if you can have more or less a nine to five job as a family physician and get home with your kids. So so I think that's the balancing act. That's the wrestling act is is do we do we drive, 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 drive as men to succeed, succeed, succeed in career and business, make 
$200,000 instead of $100,000, $100,000 instead of $50,000, a million dollars instead of $500,000 because we want the country club membership. Right. At what point have you provided enough for your family and you just have to be willing to recognize that I've got this certain window of time with my kids that I'll never get back. Maybe spending a little more time intentionally with my kids needs to be a higher priority. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a balance, you know, certainly. And I do think for me personally, that priority of provision being lower on the list, it, you know, I've, it's something I've wrestled with. But I think even as I look back in the years that I was working more hours, um, we still built a business where our kids could come with us, you know, and so we still... I still had this life where I was engaged with my kids, even though, okay, you know, now it might be taking my boys to work out at the gym together, middle of the day. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, it was we're taking 35 summer camp kids on a hike in the woods for the day. And my kids are coming along also, you know. So they're, they're not getting full dad attention, but we're out in the woods together and we just happen to have these 35 other kids that we're responsible for with us too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I do think it's important. And I think that, you know, and like you said, everybody, every man listening has got to say, okay, these are the priorities that, you know, I feel convicted about. But for me personally, I think provision always has to come underneath. Um, relationships of fatherhood, you know, um, because you can always figure out how to make more money, you know, or you can always get a different job that suits your needs. But if you totally wreck the fatherhood relationship, it's really hard to, I mean, it can be reconciled, but that's really hard to go back and, and fix that. You know, you, nothing is irredeemable. Even as an adult with adult kids, you can go back and mend relationships, but you really kind of only get that one shot as your kids are growing up. Yeah. And yet you have the rest of your life to keep making money. So that's, but that's a decision men have to make. And that's for me, that's sort of when I think about priorities, it, it doesn't have to be an or thing. It's not, I either am successful at business or I'm a good father, it could be an and situation. If you are intentional and decide to structure your life accordingly for us, and I've told the story, you know, in various episodes on this podcast, Melanie and I, at a, at a fairly young age, right, we were still in grad school when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do when we graduated. And even without kids, we both intentionally said we want to build businesses in such a way that when we do have kids, we can be present for them. Yeah. And so that was just that's a that to me is priority that speaks to priority. It wasn't what job can I get when I graduate with my master's degree that pays me the most money, right? That brings me the most prestige. And I'm not that's fine if that's your mindset. I think there's I had plenty of friends who took the highest paying job they could right out of college, banked tons of money for the first few years, and now they've got a little nest egg that they can that they can kind of fall back on when they have kids. And now it's time to, okay, now I'm going to become a father and I've made some good money and all that. The thing is, it's like for a lot of men though, once you're in the mindset, 
you can kind of never let that go. You you keep trying to rise, you know, go up the corporate ladder and all that type of stuff. And it's never like, okay, I made a bunch of money. Now I'm going to scale back, take less money so I can be a good father. It's sort of hard to go back once you've done that, at least in my experience from what I've seen. But for us, it was just very intentionally saying, okay, what kind of job, but in our case, it was a business, it was an entrepreneurial venture, is going to provide the flexibility that we would want when it comes time to raise a family. But by the way, that doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money. You can make a ton of money in, right. in business. So yeah. we made a good living and had the time freedom, as you guys have heard me say on this podcast, to step in and take custody of our boys when it came time to do that. We made a ton of money and had the time freedom to travel the world, live in South America, do all those types of things. And so if you are clever about it, if you seek opportunities, if you talk to people who have done it and ask what they did, there are solutions to sort of have the best of both worlds, have an and type of a situation. But that has to be a priority for you. It has to be a priority to have kids, family relationship, at least be an equal part of the equation to the money piece of things. Yeah, a hundred percent. And to kind of jump back to the to the fable that you opened it up with, how does that resonate with your priorities? You know, uh, do you have a list? Do you have a these are the ones? And what does that look like in terms of um, not giving so much of yourself away to everything, but to prioritize that self, well, like that self health and wellness? You know, how are you know how does that fall into your line of priorities with all of it. And that was interesting, by the way, that you listed health, wellness, personal care as like number two behind your relationship with Jesus, even ahead of your marriage. So I'm 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 curious where where that ordering comes from. Um, but to answer your question, what I've realized recently, and part of the one part of why I want to have this conversation is that my my stated list of priorities yeah. doesn't always jive with and doesn't maybe currently jive with what my actual priorities are revealed by time, money, energy, action, right? So let's just have a big picture conversation, right? And and we, we might be saying things that everybody already knows, but but it's commonly commonly stated sort of in the personal development world, certainly that your priorities are revealed by where you spend your time and money. So an easy way to know what your priorities are to look at your checkbook, because you might say your family is your priority and yet you're spending all your money on whatever, like toys, um, whatever you're spending your money on, your, your checkbook will reveal your priorities. And so will your time. If you spend 10 hours a day at the office, 30 minutes at home with your family with any sort of quality time, well, that reveals your priorities. And you might say, well, yeah, but I have to go to work. Okay, but that's still your pri that's still your priority. I mean, you can justify it as a priority, but then there's also this great book called The Four-Hour Workweek. So some people are figuring out how to accomplish the same amount in less time to spend more time with their kids. Uh, Pastor, Pastor James Seiler on the episode a couple weeks ago cited the statistic that most fathers spend 88 seconds a day with their kids uninterrupted. 88 seconds, right? And so how many dates have you gone on with your wife? How much time have you spent at the gym, right? So so anyway, time and money tends to be what reveals our priorities. But, but when I look at that, 
I think for me personally, it's more where my thought life is mm. and where my actions are that reveal mm. my priorities, or at least that I'm acknowledging and recognizing recently are revealing my priorities. So what do you spend most of your time thinking about? Yeah. And for me, recently, I have spent a lot of time thinking about financial provision. I don't spend as much time on my business because of all of the competing interests, but I spend a lot of time thinking about it. Right. I spend a lot of time thinking about exercise. You know, so, mm-hmm. so where is your thought life? Where do you spend yeah. a lot of time you're meditating and that reveals some of your priorities? But then the biggest thing is, is action. Melanie, I had this conversation, you know, just last night where she reminded me that we had collectively decided that it was a priority for us to come up with organizational systems that will work better for our family to free us up in a number of areas, just in our day-to-day household management, right? We want to we want to equip our kids to take a little bit more control over certain aspects of their life. We want to spend less time doing certain things, more time doing other things. And without getting into the specifics of it, it's something that we think is important and a priority to move our family forward. And I bought into that. Yes, sweetheart, that that's a priority. And she said, that those are your strengths. Like I have some ideas, but I need your help with that. She literally asked me for help with that. Yeah. Is that something that we can work on, that you can help me with? And I said, yes. Can we make it a priority? Yes. This was months ago. Still haven't done it. So like, it clearly isn't a priority to me. Otherwise, I would have taken action on it. Sure. In the time since I said it was a priority to me, yeah, I've built a deck. I've repaired fences. I've gone on camping trips with my kids. I've, I've done a million other things. Yeah. That reveals priority. So there's the ideal list, and then there's the reality. The reality. List, and I need to get those things to jive. I spend time with the Lord, but probably not as much as I should. So I can say that my relationship with Jesus is my priority, but if I'm not thinking about him as much as I'm thinking about my kids, is he really as much a priority as my kids? And so anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking now. Well, for everybody listening, if you don't already have a ideal list, the encouragement is spend some time praying about that, spend some time thinking about that, make an ideal list. Because otherwise, if you don't have the ideal list, then you're just going to get a default list that are the demands of everybody else around you, the demands of your boss at work. That, you know, your boss might need you, might want you working 10, 12 hours a day. You might have the demands of your wife who, yes, we're going to serve our, our wife, you know, our, our wives and, and take care of them and be a good shepherd and leader to them. But we shouldn't be just subject to their demands and requests and, you know, et cetera. We should have our, we, if we don't have our priorities set in line, then sometimes our wives can be drawing on us and we might get sidetracked into something that maybe shouldn't be a priority right then, you know? That's right. Um, so, that's just my way of saying if you haven't written down a list of these are my main priorities, and it might just be three, 
you might go, ah, you know, I just really want to have two priorities. Okay, cool. It might be seven. It might be five. It might be 10. You know, I would say you probably don't want to have 30. But uh, if you have it written down, these are my priorities and this is the order that they come in. Take some time this week and do that. And then for those of us that have done that, you and I included, let's take some time this week and go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to, I'm going to take a look in the mirror this week and see, do my, does my thought life, do my actions, does my money actually, does it actually line up with what I'm saying are my priorities? You know, and uh, I see if we're out of, see if we're out of line there. And I, I think that part of, part of staying the course in faithful fatherhood, part of the journey is that constant reflection, is that constant analysis. It's that constant, okay, let me evaluate this. This is what I've said is important. Is it actually what I'm doing? Is it actually how I'm living my life? And then make a course correction when it's, when it's off. So I'm, I'm excited about doing that this week and really taking an analytical look at my thoughts, my actions, and my money. It's going to be good. Well, let's spend a little time maybe throwing out some ideas of what should be priorities for most people. And, and I want to look to the life of Jesus for some insight there, because we can do some soul searching. You suggested sitting down, praying about it, coming up with on our own list. We can certainly have good ideas in our own mind about certainly what we think should be priorities. I've gone through books that have led me through exercises to help me try to figure out what's important in my life. I talked about the life accounts from a book called Living Forward that I can put in the show notes. So there are good ways to come up with your list. But I think there's also a lot to learn from from the life of Jesus and what he taught and what he priority, uh, prioritized. Because if it was important enough to Jesus and he made things a priority, maybe those things should be priorities for us as well. But I do want to I do want to share a quick quote here that hit me this week, and and I want to share it with you guys. And that is from from Dr. Richard Carlson. He said, uh, "The key to a good life is this." If you're not going to talk about something during the last hour of your life, then don't make it a top priority during your lifetime. Mm. So that idea of starting with the end in mind, and we've talked about that as well. What do you want written on your tombstone? And if you want, he made the most money of anybody in Rockford, Tennessee. Okay. then that can be a priority <laughs> if that's what you want written on your tombstone. But if you want it yeah. to be, he was a great husband father and you know whatever and pillar of the community well maybe those should be a little bit more uh, priority than than your career etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's just something kind of good to think about i like i like that thought in general but but what did jesus prioritize during his time on earth what are some uh, some things that we can take from his life that might have relevance to the types of things that we should prioritize, not just as fathers, but as men, as men trying to follow Jesus as well. So I have, certainly have a few thoughts, uh, but anything come to mind for you, Perry, in answer to that question? Yeah, I have a few things, actually, um, kind of a, a one through six list. We could, I can say them all real quick and then we could kind of talk about them or we could just go with one at a time, whichever you think would be a better flow. 
Yeah, let's bounce back and forth. You know, you start with one, I'll share one. We probably have several of the same. Yeah, well, I think it's clear that Jesus's top priority was his relationship with the Father. He often uh, got away. He was up early in the morning, spending one-on-one time with the Lord. He he withdrew to secluded places up on the mountaintops, away in the in the um, vineyards. You know, different places. He would go. He would go away to be with the Lord. Um, and so, to me, as I think about Jesus's priorities, that's the one that sticks out as as top shelf. Which is in line with what you had suggested, number one on your own personal priority list. Uh, Whether you're achieving it or not, it's still the stated desire that number one, numero uno, would be your relationship then with your Lord as well. I I had noted that as well and, and remembered the story of Lazarus. If you remember, there's an interesting part of that story where Jesus is told that his friend Lazarus is sick and dying. And rather than immediately dropping everything to go tend to his friend Lazarus, he delays like several days to the point where Lazarus actually dies. Yeah. But I think what he says about that at the outset is interesting. Um, He says, again, he hears about his friend Lazarus. And they're sort of like, what, like, why aren't you going? And he said, when Jesus heard this, he said, and this is in, in John eleven four, the sickness will not end in death, even though it does actually lend, end in death. But what it ends in is the resurrection of Lazarus. He says, no, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it, meaning the, the Lazarus story. In other words, God will be glorified in what's about to happen. That is more important than me rushing home to Lazarus. What's more important than that is God being glorified in this situation. Everything will be fine. Everything will work out. Priority number one is that God be glorified. And yeah. so, and he knew how it was all going to unfold. And so, you know, it, it, it's a weird part of that story, but I think a relevant part of the story in line with what you're saying, that Jesus prioritized his relationship with the Father and and God being glorified. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Another aspect is his discipleship you know his his crew of 12 disciples his discipleship and his ministry to those folks um i mean you know all of the the gospels are you know so many encounters of him with the disciples so many things i love so many stories i mean he's a prankster he's catching those guys off guard you know that so many times they you, they just show up as they don't understand they don't have a clue but a tremendous priority in Christ's life was his, the discipleship of his crew, his people that were right there with him. And and just friendships in general. And for me, yeah. I, I think it's a common experience of a lot of men that we form meaningful friendships early in life through school, oftentimes through sports, through activities that we're involved in really close relationships in college. And then as adult men, it's very hard to make new friendships for a lot of men. In fact, I can only point to a cu- like a couple, a handful yeah. of people that I would call friends that I have relationship with who didn't come from my college years or earlier. 
Mm-hmm. I, and that's, that's sad. And I don't think that's right. Um, and even, okay, so fine. He only had, quote unquote, only had 12 close friends. So maybe we don't need a million friends, even as adults, but but how have I invested in those relationships? Have my relationships grown? When's the last time I've gotten down, gotten together just to hang out and have coffee with a buddy? Sure. When's the last time I called up an old college friend? When, so are we investing in our friendships? Because yeah, that clearly was a priority to Jesus. Relationships are more important than anything else. How are we doing with that? So that's that's very convicting as well. Yeah. Um, and Jesus had compassion for people. Yeah. So I think about the story in Matthew of the feeding of the 4,000, right? He mm-hmm. he had just, this, the Bible recounts that he had just spent three days ministering to people, right? Sun up to sundown, healing people. It talks about how he was healing the sick, performing miracles, Three days. Can you imagine how taxed you would be? How tired you would be? Yeah. Probably hadn't eaten a lot. Certainly hadn't slept a lot. I mean, the Bible's constantly talking about how the crowds followed him. People are just trying to get a second of his time and attention. And he's mm-hmm. just giving it to them. He's right. pouring into them. He is yeah. literally giving so much of himself. He's exhausted. And at the end of these three days, here's what it says. He goes to his disciples and he said, quote, I have compassion for these people, for they have mm-hmm. already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I yeah. do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. Yeah. So and even in his. And, and then he goes his, and feeds the 4,000. Yeah. Yeah. In his, his own personal state of exhaustion, he's pouring out into the crowds, exactly. the masses. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Compassion yeah, for people, love for people, yeah. sacrificing self for others. Yeah. Where does that yeah. stack up on our priority list, man? Yeah. Compassion, compassion and healing. Jesus really demonstrated God's God the Father's love and his mercy through his compassionate heart and his dealing with people's physical problems and their spiritual problems, you know, and we might not be running around doing physical miracles, but we might be able to, because we have compassionate hearts towards others, we can help be a part of alleviating their, the troubles that they are, you know, encountering in their lives. And it all stems from that heart of compassion. I think it just is being aware. Do you notice people? Yeah. Do you recognize people? Do you see in somebody, hey, that person looks like they're hurting a little bit. Hey, that person, um, maybe I should pay for that person's Starbucks in the line behind me because they look like they're having a bad day. Like Jesus noticed people and they were important to him. And he would do even just little things for He did the big things, but he did the little things. He invested time in them. And I think we could be way more aware of the people in our lives rather than having those blinders on. We go through life so oftentimes with these blinders on, not even recognizing our wives' needs, sure, let alone a stranger's needs, because we're sort of wrapped up in our own, our own issues, our own concerns, our own bad day at work, whatever. And and Jesus is very in tune with everybody around him, even more than his own physical needs. So anyway, well said, Pear. Absolutely. And then another 
thing that was high on his priority list is teaching and preaching. He spent a lot of time, you know, kind of teaching. I think of his discipleship is with his close band of, you know, brothers, his disciples, his followers, uh, his closest friends. And then the teaching and preaching is more the broad to the masses, you know, uh, kind of group of people. And he spent a lot of time doing that as well, you know, explaining the kingdom of God, explaining who God is. He would tell things through parables and stories that folks could relate to. And they could, he would take a complex reality about the kingdom of God and and explain it through the simple form of a a parable that related to somebody's daily life. They, oh, I could understand the kingdom of God is like this, you know. So teaching and preaching is a big part of his priority as well. Sure. How should that be on our list? Can we normal, ordinary, non-pastor fathers preach? Like, is that something we should try to emulate in our own lives? How how does that factor into per, perhaps our own priority list? To me, I think we all have different gifts. And we all have different skill sets. But to me, it's a it's a numbers game, maybe, is another way to look at it, you know? So priority number one is one-on-one with God the Father. Priority number two is that band of brothers, you know, our, our family, our core unit, our friends, our wives, etc. And then the next priority is the bigger group of people that we can have an influence over. I mean, maybe, you you know, maybe you just read a scripture that really stuck out to you and you post something about it on, you know, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or social media. Uh, maybe you're a, you know, Sunday school teacher at church, or maybe, you know, you start a podcast about faithful fatherhood, you know, like there could be, <laughs> there could be all these different ways that you're, you have the ability to teach and reach a broader audience uh, for kingdom purposes, I sure. think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I would uh, just add to the list that Jesus found great joy in children. And yeah. so that that to me is very relevant, obviously, to our role as father. You know, children culturally at the time were regarded as insignificant and unimportant, sort of second class, not really seen. And and I think there are, even in today's times, certain cultures and certain people, including some fathers who, who view their own kids that way. But I think for most of us that we can't really necessarily relate to that. But Jesus, Jesus didn't see them that way. He saw them as the precious gifts that they were. And I think we can learn a lot from that. There's the famous passage again in Matthew 19. Um, verse 13, it says, the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Can you imagine that? Like, yeah, you're, you're Jesus's right it's hand crazy. man. And you're like, take those whoa, kids whoa. away from Jesus. Like, get those get kids these out of here. Those brats out of here. Nobody wants boogers on their, on their tunic. Exactly. And Jesus said, <laughs> I love Jesus. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So he, yeah, man, he loved kids. He, have you ever thought about what Jesus would have been like as a father? I, it's a shame. I mean, on the one hand, as the son of God, as the perfect and sinless man that he was, yeah. 
it would be kind of weird to think of him as getting married, having a wife, you know, sure. all that type of stuff. So I understand why he stayed single yeah. throughout his life. I don't know if he wanted a wife. I don't know if he was tempted sexually. Probably right. he was. He was a man, right? The same temptations we all have. Sure. But that's a separate conversation for another day. But can you imagine if he had had kids and right. like what kind of father he would have been? That would have been that would have been really cool to see how he showed up as father. But he certainly loved kids and prioritized them and, and viewed them as the special gifts that they are. And that's something that we need to to take to heart as well. And then I would say I'd I would come back to maybe a little bit of what we talked about earlier, though. And I would point out, and again, I point this out delicately, and Mm -hmm. you might disagree with me, Perry, here a little bit. But I would would remember what he did not prioritize. Mm. As much as what he did prioritize, what he did not prioritize was money or career. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I mean, zero. In Matthew 8.20, it says, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to to lay his head. Like literally, he didn't even have a home. Yeah. How is it that in American Western culture, and I know a lot of people listening to this aren't in America, so, but, but still in today's day and age, right? What's the messaging? The messaging is, Get a good job, make lots of money, stash away money in your 401k so that when you're 65 and a half, you've got a million and a half to $2 million in the bank paying you interest that you can live on peacefully for the rest of your life. Was Is there anything about that narrative that is at all in line with who Jesus was or what he was about? Anything. It's crazy. No, there's, I mean. And again, I, this is where it's it's delicate. I'm not I'm not judging anybody who has that mindset because I have had that mindset and still to a certain extent have that mindset and, and money matters in, in, in today's day and age. And we we need to provide it's a role of a father. But but when we look at what Jesus is about and his priorities, were those things important to him? He acknowledged and recognized that that people had needs, but he had such a I think I think more what it is, is that he had just had such a faith that his needs would be met. Mm-hmm. that he just didn't worry about those things. And so I think going back to my comment earlier about my own thought life and what I'm thinking a lot about, well, if I'm thinking a lot about money and paying the bills and you know how I'm going to pay the mortgage next month and what my business is doing or not doing, to me, it, it reveals a lack of faith more than it reveals a priority of, of money, if that makes sense. Um, and then I, before you sort of chime in on that, I would also just just in this vein, right? So, so he he didn't prioritize that stuff at all. And in fact, here's what he did clearly, clearly teach us in Matthew 6, uh, 19 to 21. Again, familiar verses to a lot of us. Some of you might be hearing this for the first time, but it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What do we prioritize? Money in the bank, a nice home, some toys, nice clothes. And he's saying, don't store up for yourself those things. Those things are all going to waste away. You can't take those things to the grave with you. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so just, I think... 
And I think for me, as I think about what my priority list in the ideal order should be, certainly elevating things of eternal importance over things of temporal earthly importance, that needs to weigh in certainly to what I put on my priority list. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Have you read or listened to The Treasure Principle by, I think it's Randy Alcorn, maybe, or Alcone? I'll look it up and we'll like post that. it in the show notes. No, but actually, this is the second time now you've you've mentioned it on the podcast, and I didn't go back and read yeah. it the first time you mentioned it, so I'll make that a priority. <laughs> uh, this yeah, time I around. need to reread it. I need to reread it because it is so... It is so, so good. Uh, really talking about everything that we are discussing on this episode, it, you know, the treasure principle. Don't, do not store up that stuff that, that moths, you know, can tear up and thieves can steal, but instead focus on kingdom. And a uh, fantastic book for the mindset of a kingdom focus. Every, you know, I'm going to wake up today and focus on what? Kingdom things, eternal things godly things you know not all this earthly stuff that's right in front of my face so what do we do with this uh hopefully this has been a helpful discussion for you perry uh for listeners i know i've i've benefited a lot from it i have a lot of thoughts swirling i need to to get back and really make sure that my actions line up with what my stated professed priorities are what do we do with this? How do we, what, what do we do when our priorities are out of whack? It sounds like you're going to go delete Facebook from your phone. Um, but what, what else can we do? How can we get these things to line up? What do we do to ensure that our actions line up with what's truly important in our lives? Yeah, I think that, you know, taking some of those steps, like you said, are part of it. And then I think two things, one, making a, a priority assessment, part of our system of life. You know, okay, once a week, once a day, once a month, whatever, once a something, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little check-in. I'm gonna do a little priority assessment. Do the priorities does the way that I live my life, does the way that I spend my time thinking match up with what I say my priorities are? And just take that look in the mirror and just do that assessment. And then I think too, surround ourselves with brothers who can encourage us in that process. You know, do you have a, an accountability partner that you can say, Hey, these are, I lived for my priorities today. Do you have a group of men that you can talk with and get together on a regular basis and say, Hey, these are, these are my priorities and I'm, I'm living these out today. You know, oftentimes I think it's easy for us as men to tromp off into the wilderness alone and go, I'm, I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps and make this happen. When the reality is we need, community. We need brothers around us. We need these things to uh, help spur us on in the right direction. So I think that's a big part of of the how. Those are really good. Well said. And I would just add two things, uh, two thoughts of my own to the how. And the first is to reduce the number of priorities that you are trying to focus on. Mm. There's 
another quote. I know I've given you guys a lot of quotes today, but there's another famous quote that I think about often that if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Yeah. And I remember when I sat down to do the life accounts with Melanie a number of years ago, it was a great exercise, a great book. I was pumped. I was jazzed. We were super excited. I had these priorities in my relationships life account and these priorities in my health and fitness life account. And these are priorities in my marriage life account and these priorities in my spiritual life account. And I had like eight different life accounts and buckets and multiple priorities in each. And we got home after this kind of weekend retreat, we spent coming up with all of these priorities, jazzed about how on point our life was going to be moving forward. And I felt so overwhelmed by all of the things I now had to do that I like did none of them. I couldn't. Yeah. What What do I focus on? Okay, yeah. I got to have a date with my wife this week. And now I have to do this with my kids this week. And I've got to carve out some one on one time with my son. And I got to go to the gym and I've got to eat better. And we're going to cook organic. And it's like, oh my gosh. And like after one week, we're completely burned out. Yeah. Well, what if you pick one thing? Yeah. What if I establish the habit of having a weekly date night with my wife? Period. Yeah. And what if it takes me six months to establish that habit, figure out a babysitter that works, yeah. find the time in my schedule that absolutely works? How are we going to handle Revelin, who's still breastfeeding? Okay, we have that figured out. Boom. That's like a non-negotiable now. A date with my wife every week. Now let me try to schedule some one-on-one -on -one time with my kids. Let's yep. see how that goes. Okay, so it might be a year sure. before I've dialed in two priorities. Okay, yep. now I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier and spend some quiet time with the Lord. It might take another six months to establish that habit. And guys, I don't know. It's like, I know some people disagree. They're like, rip off the Band-Aid, do it all at once, figure it all out. But I think for a lot of men and for me personally, narrowing down the focus of priorities, establishing good habits yep. before expanding to new priorities will help. But what that does is, it requires that list to be on point because you want to start with number one. Don't start with number five. Start with number one. Dial that in. Now add priority number two. Dial that in. Add priority number three. And you might not get to priority number seven. Sure. Okay, fine. But like, so so that's one thing. And then the second thing is learning to say no. Yeah. Even to seemingly good things because that's the other challenge is it's so easy to say yes to good things. Hey, you know, we, we've talked about this on the podcast. Hey, do you want to head up this committee at church? Sure. Right. Hey, do you want to go out on a double date, you know, with us this weekend, like friends from church? Hey, do you want to get together with our, us with our kids? Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but I haven't gone on a date with my wife in a month. Right. Does that make sense? So like, maybe I actually need to say no to the friends at church yeah. or the friends at school or whatever. Because I haven't done priority number one, it's okay to say no, even to some good things, until we've dialed in the most important things. And I remember somewhat recently a conversation I had with my pastor, Pastor Seiler, who, who we had on a couple episodes ago, but but we went as a group to watch the movie Sound of Freedom. You you went to see that, right, Perry? You and Nancy? We did. It's powerful. If you haven't if you haven't seen it yet, uh, to the listeners, you gotta make a point of watching that movie. Powerful, right? It's an unbelievable movie that shines a spotlight on the sex trafficking issue that's really rampant around the world. And and it's the type of movie that you leave feeling like you need to do something about. 
right? I mean, yeah. like everything in you wants to leave the movie theater, fly to Shanghai, yeah. and try to yeah. like drag kids out of prostitution rings. It's like, yeah, okay, but I have no skills to do that. I have like, okay. So what what do I do with that though? Okay, I'm going to find an organization and give lots of money. Okay, so it's the type of thing that makes you really feel like I need to do something about this. But here's the thing: there are so many things in the world that need you to do something about it. But what have you been called to do personally? What are your priorities? Because I remember asking the pastor after after the movie, after a couple of days, I said, "So what are you what are you thinking about this?" And he goes, "You know, I was incredibly moved, moved to tears." unbelievably impacted by that movie, but I went home and prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord said, this isn't your issue to pick up. I've called you to something else. Sure. He knew what his priorities were. He knew what God has called him to do, what his purpose right now for this time in his life is. And as much as he'd love to pick up the sex trafficking issue, it's not his, it's not his thing. Sure. Right. Right, right. now it might be later. And yeah. so that really stuck with me, that conversation. And, and it's a good reminder that there are lots of things that we could say yes to, and they're all probably good things. But what's the most important thing for you right now, either because you've clearly been called by God to do it, or you have just determined, this is a priority for me right now in my life. Keep that thing the focus, and don't be afraid to no say no to some things. Yes, that's exactly right. And then also, I want to make sure to highlight the fact that we pray about it and we seek the Lord. You know, uh, that was that's a powerful part of that story that I want to make sure doesn't just get glossed over. It's it's about seeking the Lord's wisdom and direction in our lives. You know, go before the Lord and say, "Hey, uh, what would you, Lord, have as a priority for me today? What would you have, you know, as a priority for my?" priority list and to make sure that, you know, we always stay grounded in that relationship with the Lord and seeking his leadership. Well said. I think that's a good way to wrap up this conversation. I'll leave you with this final thought. And it's a business principle that we've lived by for years as entrepreneurs. And it's this idea that what we focus on grows. And that's just truth. Where we put our effort, our energy, our time, our thought, our focus, our energy, uh, I already said energy, but 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 that grows. I've seen that in my own business. If I focus on one area of my business, that grows, but sometimes other areas die off. It's like now I got to shore up this side of my business and that starts to grow again. And like, so where are you going to focus? If you focus on your bank account, it will grow. It absolutely will grow if you put your priority and focus there for sure. But you know what else will grow? Your marriage will grow if you focus there. Your kids will grow if you focus there. What you focus on will grow. Figure out what's the most important thing to focus on, and it will grow. Get that right, and everything else will fall into line. So with that, we will wrap up this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening, for sharing, for giving us those five-star reviews. If somebody comes to mind that you think would benefit from this uh, from this conversation, just send them a send them the link to the episode. We appreciate you guys sharing what we're doing and and appreciate you you guys for showing up faithfully to uh to hear what we have to say. Hopefully you're benefiting from it, but I know I know we are benefiting from these conversations as well. So with that, we will let you get back to your day, to your week and we will check back with you again soon on the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Take care everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good